Wow, that was ominous. You like how it says this meeting is being recorded. Yeah. That's what I was saying. I was like, man, that's all right. You can, you can see me. Right? I can see you. This we're not recording a video. I just figure I'd like to see people now for a little bit, you know, like <laughs> just the audio. But man, it's fun to see people. Now you're gonna, yeah. Well, now I'm really glad I put on pants. <laughs> <laughs> are you pantsless normally <laughs> during our stuff you know, my my daughter not too long ago she came into the studio and she just saw a pair of my pants on the floor yeah and she's like dad why are there pants on the floor <laughs> it's like honey sometimes when you're recording you just gotta let loose just gotta let it go literally she uh she did not like that imagery not <laughs> no not a dad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simon's moving, so it's coming, man. You're leaving. I drive out of here on Monday. Wow. Which is really a, kind of a crazy feeling. We had some drama leading up to it where mm -hmm. uh, it was iffy if it was going to go through, and it was it was all just uh, work-related with my, my wife's work and everything, and, and um, they had changed their policy and all this stuff, you know, blah, blah, blah. But anyway it really came down to the wire. We, we literally heard back yesterday that we're officially getting the okay. And we could tell the lender, you know, you know, that our original closing date was tomorrow. Right. And we kind of had to move it to, to the closing date to next week, but I'm supposed to drive in and take the house on the fourth, you know, <laughs> we're just like, <laughs> is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? So, but it's happening. It's happening, and um, it's a it's a crazy feeling. Wow! I told my wife, I was like, "Yeah, Simon and the crew, they're moving, man, across the country." And she was like, "That's awesome. That's incredible. <laughs> Great idea." Well, I mean, I don't want to sound cynical, but you know, because we've in the last almost twenty years of living here, we've you know, made such amazing friendships and things like that. But um, so I guess other than people, air quotes, <laughs> we had nothing really tying us to Portland anymore. Yeah. Um, and, it, and, and through COVID, like when you take a year where you're just not seeing anybody, you're hardly doing anything, there's no community activities uh, to speak of, you really feel disconnected and uh so we we're finding it really easy to leave yeah. um and just try something new move on to a new adventure yeah makes sense i mean a lot of people are moving this year actually yeah um you know i i found that a lot of people have moved are moving because well i mean for all kinds of reasons yeah we we've been in that I feel bad even talking about it sometimes because I, I, I realize that most people have really struggled during COVID. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that we haven't, you know, there's of course been an emotional level of mm -hmm. suffering that especially my, my children have felt and, and some more sensitive than others have, have really felt it. I'm already kind of a, you know, I described it to somebody yesterday. It's like, I'm, I've always been a real slut. I find it real easy just to, you know, move on, move on to the next thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Kind of <laughs> similar to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we, we, but, but for us, it's not that COVID, I mean, the pandemic, I don't want to say COVID itself, but the pandemic and, and um, the, the shutdown basically opened, you know, opened doors for us because it, mm-hmm. it, it, it put us, uh, my wife in a position to work virtually and, you know, uh, so, so anyway, we were able to, to make this decision to say, well, let's choose somewhere. <laughs> and Simon's choosing a place. You guys would have no clue where he's going. <laughs> you would never guess it ever. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I still have. And I haven't really shared that much with, with that yeah. removed. I, I think I posted one thing and it wasn't very like, I, I, I don't know. I think I posted one thing on, on social media and I haven't posted anything since, you know, and, and some people are like, where are you moving? And I was like, uh, and here's the big reveal, Florence, Alabama. And people are like, what? <laughs> <laughs> So here's something I didn't realize that somehow I've become synonymous with Portland mm. to, to a lot of people, you know, like, like, like when they think of me, they think Portland, I, I don't know what, why, and what context that's gone into, <laughs> but there's, when some, you think of Akeem, you think of, <laughs> you think of trash, you think of trash. Of, yeah. <laughs> maybe they hate Portland and they just associate me with that. Um, yeah, it's really funny because, you know, uh, I don't associate myself with Portland other than I'm a real foodie and Portland's a great place for foodies. Mm. (laughs) But other than that, I don't really, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I love the trailblazers, but I don't, you know, I'm not a, I don't even own a t-shirt, you know, for (laughs) I one time got a jacket signed by Jerome Kersey and I gave it to a friend who's a real Blazers fan. You know, <laughs> you know that's how, how small of a fan I actually yeah. am. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what people link me to here other than I've just been here, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been around. I've just been in the vicinity, you know. <laughs> So, um, do you, do you associate yourself with the town you live in? Like, like, do you identify yourself? No, I, I never have, but I grew up in a military family, so I never had an identity in a place. So wherever I live, it's kind of just a pit stop for me. Like Washington's definitely probably not the last place for me. Yeah. And we actually, my wife and I talk about it all the time. Like, well, it was reevaluated in three to five years. And, um, but we're already looking for other places. Honest, we already are. I mean, actually, when you told me you were leaving, I said, uh, well, listen, I'm, I, you know what I said? I told Michelle, I said, I'm pretty sure I would, I'm never visiting Alabama. But once Simon said he was moving there, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll probably try to visit Alabama at this point. <laughs> so we've, you know, her, I mean, the Florence, Alabama is located in the Muscle Shoals area. And, mm-hmm. and if people have, don't know the Muscle Shoals area, actually, there's a really great Muscle Shoals documentary. It's all about the music that came out of Muscle Shoals. And there were just some guys who just really wanted to, you know, 
make hit records in muscle in muscle shoals and and uh and and they did and they um came up with the muscle shoals sound you know it's just like this group of session players who just play on all these hit records you know from everything from you know land of a thousand dances to you know aretha franklin stuff to uh you know um uh, just just hit after hit after hit you know they, they just keep playing on all this stuff and it <laughs> you know people assume these guys are all white guys but they're just a bunch of little or, or black guys they assume they're all yeah, black yeah. because of the way they play and and you know the they they call it like a swampy sound you know but mm. um but yeah they're all these just kind of total white guys <laughs> <laughs> but um uh, I've seen, I saw that documentary years ago and I, and when I thought of Muscle Shoals, I actually thought of the Rolling Stones because a few of my favorite Stones tracks were recorded there, including uh, Wild Horses, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. And uh, so anyway, um, when that came up, that area came up as a, as a possibility, Shannon was my wife, Shannon, she was really, um, she actually was the first one to bring it up and she was surprised that I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Because <laughs> She nice. wasn't expecting me to really get into wanting to move, you know, to the South. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, if I do identify myself with something, I am a bit cosmopolitan. Yeah. I'm a bit, uh, I'm a bit snooty, you know, and I'm a bit, uh, and I do love the city. I love yeah. the convenience of, of everything the city provides. Mm -hmm. So when she brought up small town Alabama and I was excited about it, she was like, whoa, why? <laughs> <laughs> but it's in the northern part of Alabama. They seem a, a bit more uh, progressive there. And I, I'm not trying to make politics a, a big thing about it. Our, our neighbors did. It was really funny. Our neighbors who who have a, a wonderful daughter who's one of my daughter's age, they're, they're both 11. And um, she told my kids, when when my kids told them where we're moving, she came back after telling her parents, she came back and said, did you know it's a red state? <laughs> so what? <laughs> no. I, was like, uh, I was like, did you know that humans live there? <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that diversity is the key to the to the survival of the species? Mm -hmm. So, so we're excited. You know, it seems like just a beautiful town, and and you know we're just idiots. We've never been there. You know, we did everything virtually. You know, we bought our house virtually. We have this wonderful realtor. Her name is Brittany, and she's just this picturesque Southern gal. Shout out know. to Brittany. Yeah, <laughs> and she has just been a dream and she's been so supportive through all of our little drama and everything and so we're we're just we couldn't be more excited about the move um one of my daughters did come out to the kitchen i was out there and um uh she she came out and she was just in tears she's like dad i'm really gonna miss my friends and so we had that discussion and i was telling her you know this will sound heartless at first, but you won't miss them in a year. Yeah. You will yeah. have fond memories of them and you will still want to see them, but you won't feel this kind of missing mm -hmm. in 
year, you know, and, 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 and you got to remember that, especially in this day and age where communication is so easy, when you move, you're not losing friends. You're, you're going to find more, you know, (laughs) you're, you're leaving that circle of friends that you have, that most of us kind of seclude ourselves to, you know, you make a few friends and that becomes your little circle. And then, you know, you, you don't really branch out of it very much. Um, so we're just branching out of the circle. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like when I was growing up in a military family, when you left somebody, it was over, man. Yeah. It was done. There was no internet you or video conferencing. Yeah. It was like, well, I guess I'm never seeing you again yeah. in real, you know? There's something romantic about that that I, <laughs> I really like, actually. You're yeah. like, I, it was real while we had it, you know. It's yeah. uh, my you know? my sixth my daughter in sixth grade. She has like three conferences today, teachers conferences today, or four of them actually. And 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 you know the the slacker dad me is like, why? We're yeah. literally pulling you out of school tomorrow. Yeah. Um. And uh, anyway, she wanted to do it. She's such a good girl and she wants to do everything right and everything. And, and, and I was just like, listen, all we need to do is get on that conference call and say, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs> you know, we're out of here. Goodbye. You guys can have your burnt down downtown. <laughs> <laughs> see ya. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, um, but that, you know, this is actually a great segue into mm-hmm. the album because uh, my this album, which is called Swan Song, which wasn't the original title of the album, but I decided I the, the original title was just too corny. Um, yeah. Original title. So this was going to be one song. When I told oh. you I was going to have something, I just wanted to record one last song to say kind of bye-bye to Portland. I see. And it was going to be called Rip City, you know, uh, yeah, Rip yeah. City, but this was going to be RIP comma city, you know, <laughs> yeah. my really corny play on words, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that was going to be the name of the album. Once I realized that this was becoming an album, I was like, well, I'll call this album Rip City. And in fact, it was so cheesy. The first couple of songs I did, I didn't have... I didn't have different titles for them. They were called Rip City One, Rip City Two. (laughs) (laughs) Simon. It's so lame and corny, right? But um, but anyway, yeah. So this was um, but you know, it 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 turned into so the first song I actually wrote was um now what do I called it? The Reaper. Yeah. And because of every, you know how it is when, when you've got <clears throat> all this external drama going on, you know, it is so difficult to go back and focus on something that's just like, um, maybe feels super, superfluous, you know, mm-hmm. like writing a song. <laughs> right. You know. So I was really kind of in a, creative quagmire and I, I just was not feeling inspired to write anything and then finally a week ago speaking of missing people um i ended up and i i tried to explain it to my wife afterwards and i was i was t- i asked her do you ever miss people you've never met 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like you, you've, but they've influenced your life in some way. And so I'm talking about like artists, maybe writers, yeah. painters, and, and, and you just sometimes feel a longing for them, but they're not around anymore. And I was feeling that for Warren Zevon, who, um, if people don't know him, they, they know the, they at least know the song Werewolves of London. Mm-hmm. Ahoo, werewolves of London. You know, um, yeah. one of, you know, he, he, but he, he wrote so many great songs and he, he's been a big influence on my songwriting over the years. Um, anyway, so just one night uh, last week, I'm just like, man, why am I feeling so much? nostalgia or whatever for Warren Zevon, but I just start going back and just listening to his catalog. And so I end up writing the Reaper, which is actually to Warren, but I kind of said, well, maybe this can be about Portland too. (laughs) I can just cross pollinate these uh, feelings of saying, and so some of the imagery, you know, I, I throw some of the Portland imagery in there. I throw, um, but it's also um, all about Warren Zevon. And, and I hope I kind of just capture some of his spirit and whimsy and, and maybe some of his, like dark humor into those lyrics. Um, and actually I was, t- <laughs> I don't know why, you know, when you're just proud of yourself and you're just like, uh-huh. This probably isn't that great, you know. <laughs> but you know the the chorus of that song it just has the line, um, "Take your hands off me, I'm leaving now." Mm-hmm. And then it says, "Save your bullets, I'll die of something anyhow." And I don't know why I love that line so much, but right when I wrote it down, I'm like, "That's solid gold." Probably <laughs> no one else will even like it. Probably no one else even <laughs> give it a second thought. But for me, that line is. One of my favorite lines. <laughs> the great line. Great line. There's so, a lot of meaning in that. Yeah. You know, I hope so. You know, I mean, um, I, one of my closest friends, you know, here, uh, I, I decided all I'd, I'd share the album with him. And um, so after I sent it to you, you were the first person I sent it to just yes. to so you got it. <laughs> And I sent it to just uh, a select few other people that, um, especially like this guy isn't on social media. So he, mm-hmm. the only way he gets anything is if I send it to him personally. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I sent it to him and he took the time to listen to it that evening and he came back to me and he, he actually really liked that song. It was one of his favorites. Um, but he talked about one of the lines, um, driving through all your red lights, which is the last line of the first chorus. Um, and he just kind of talked about what, you know, that the meaning that he, he felt it had to him. And it was slightly different than mine. It wasn't like so off, but it was, it was slightly different than my original intention. And I just really love that about songwriting and art and sharing things with other people because I can feel something so intensely when I'm writing it. And then someone else will have perhaps an equally intense feeling, but it will be a different feeling. It just means something different to them. And so I hope, you know, most of the time that, um, especially a song like the Reaper, that the lyrics are specific enough to me that they mean something to me, but they're universal enough 
that they can mean whatever they mean to somebody else. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I really liked it. I was listening to it the next day when I received it. Then I told you, you know, I was like, I literally like Shanghai tunnels. And of course you told me something ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Simon stuff. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how impressed anybody would be knowing how I wrote Shanghai tunnels. Because I had an idea, a concept, because the whole idea of Shanghai tunnels in Portland is, is probably a complete myth. Hmm. The tunnels exist. They were built to make it easier um, for ships that, that docked here to, to, to get their goods to the local like hotels and businesses. Um, maybe somebody got Shanghai through the tunnels and, and people did get Shanghai here in Portland, but the idea that they were using the tunnels for that is probably a complete myth. Mm. But anyway, that's the beauty. I mean, mythos is, is the beauty. Actually, I want to talk about that here in a minute. Yeah. But, um, the, the Shanghai tunnels, I just had this idea and I wanted it to be kind of Edgar Allan Poe-ish, like Edgar Allan Poe in music, you know, not that I'm going to quote him. I totally it. got that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, and, and inspired by his story, um, the cask of uh, Amontillado. Amontillado. Yeah. How do you say that word anyway? Um, so, where somebody is just being lured to their death for revenge. It's a revenge plot. And so, um, so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to create music that was somebody is being lured down into the basement to where these tunnels are. So the, that sounds like cool, right? But I had no musical ideas for it. Absolutely zero, nothing. So what do I do? I get out my little synthesizer. <laughs> Oh yeah. And I just start recording stuff, man. I mean, I mean, I start designing, you know, sounds and everything, Yeah, but with no preconceived, there's no melodic idea. I have no chord progressions in mind. I have nothing. So I just start doing crap, you know, yeah. and some of it ends up, you know, the, some one bit ends up being in five, four, <laughs> you know, signature time signature, but I'm like, Oh, and then the other parts in four, four, and so it's just kind of a mess, you know, but I just start piecing it together and then I start programming drums and everything, you know, and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I have no lyrics. I have no words. I got nothing. There's nothing, you know, but it's, it, it's a literal cut and paste job of, of ideas. And then of course I just start expanding the ideas and, and, you know, layering things on top. And then I get enough music down. I'm like, well, this needs some, some words, some lyrics. And uh, I got nothing. <laughs> I literally put up the mic. I did one take and I just sang whatever came to mind. Wow. <laughs> this is creativity to the max. So, <laughs> so it's like a, an exercise in laziness. I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> I think it's creative. It sounds creative. So, I mean, I guess if, if you're just like, 
you know, if improvisation is your thing, maybe that's kind of, cause everything was improvised. Most things were first takes and, you know, once in a while I screwed up something so bad I had to retake it, you know, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, um, but anyway, that was Shanghai tunnels, you know, and that was, uh, you know, whereas other songs, you know, um, most of the songs on here, I will say came pretty organically and pretty mm-hmm. quickly, but, but I normally had some kind of idea in mind and some kind of, you know, before I started recording, I had made a demo of most other things, you know, and mm-hmm. on my little phone and my acoustic guitar had at least done some kind of work before hitting yeah. the record button. <laughs> <laughs> Not Shanghai Tunnels, just hit record, see what happens. I mean, I was really into it. That's why I texted you back. I was like, I'm into this. I'm really like this. I like weird stuff, man. (laughs) So there's a lot to talk about with this album. I I want to get to it all. But one of the things I wanted to talk about was um, Mythos. Mm -hmm. Um, I one of the concepts of this album in general was to go lo-fi and to go back to extreme basics. You're seeing this, you know, my studio is just a, a warehouse right now of it's our where we've packed everything and, and set it up and it's waiting for the movers now. Um, but uh, I packed up like 90% of my studio. Um, I and I kept out like my cheapest stuff, all my expensive stuff. It's all packed. It's all gone. Yeah, I actually unpacked this microphone for a singer last night and i was oh, like nice. i had to, i had to dig through the pile of boxes and i was like uh i i want you to have a you know a, a good microphone and, yeah. and it's somebody else you know it's their project it's not my project and i wanted them to have something good so anyway uh you you can't really see it but right over here to my left is this old mixer and this is where, where the, the discussion of mythos comes in i bought this mixing board that i i think is from the 70s uh, it's either kind of early eighties or it's, or it's in the seventies and I bought it for 300 bucks and it's supposed to have 18 channels, but it only has eight of them. No, I'm sorry. 16 channels, but it only has eight of them. <laughs> um, they all have like EQ and stuff, you know, for its time it was, but it's a live mixer. It's not a recording mixer. So it only has two outputs. And so anyway, just, for its time, it was a decent mixer, but you know, nobody's using this to record an album today. But anyway, the guy I bought it from, and I can't remember his name, I can't verify any of this. This is where the mythos comes in. Mm-hmm. The guy I bought it from said that he had used not this board, but a board with the same channels to help record Elliot Smith's early records. And, um, and and so when he told me about that, I was like, well, if, if it's good enough for Elliot Smith, you know, it's good enough for me. <laughs> right, right. And I only bought it actually as a rehearsal mixer. It was so I could just put the band through the rehearsal PA. I never intended to use it for recording per se. Um, and I was going to sell it be, as, as I was moving because it's just big and clunky and heavy. I mean, it... You know, you'd probably get more money recycling it because it's made of all this heavy duty metal than you would a 
than you would selling it as a mixer, you know? So, so I, but I start testing all the functions. Is there, make sure all the channels are still working right and make sure all the EQ is working, all that kind of garbage, you know? And, and uh, anyway, I, I, just, I, you know, I have this microphone plugged into it and I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm mostly singing Elvis Presley's suspicious minds through it. Ah. You know, and I'm just fiddling with all the EQ. We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out. And, uh, and I'm just like, man, I'm loving this. This sounds great. <laughs> so I decide I'm keeping this thing and I'm actually going to use it. And, and when I rebuild my next studio, I'm going to make sure that this gets a, a prime spot in some way that's going to get utilized. And I come up with this idea. I was like, okay, I am going to use this board to record, you know, at the time, what I thought was just going to be one song. And I'm going to go so old school. I'm going to just use only equipment that maybe I could have afforded when I first started recording. And, and then I decided to go even lower than that. <laughs> when I first started recording, I bought, it's a really nice microphone, but it's inexpensive. It, it's a, made by Audio Technica. It's just called an AT4040. And it's a, it's a good all around mic, but you can get one for like 400 bucks, you know? And in the microphone world, that's extremely affordable for a recording microphone that, that's as good as that microphone is. But I decided, nah, I'm gonna use the microphone that I just used at my live shows, you know? And I bought it for a hundred bucks. It's a nice microphone. It's made by a local company here in the Pacific Northwest, Audix. It's a good live microphone, but I don't know of anybody who is excited about using it for professional, you know, right. studio recording. And then the other workhorse mic of the of of live shows and also of recording guitars generally is is called an SM57. It's made by the Shure Company, but it's also another cheap mic. It's like a hundred dollar mic, you know. And I was like, that's it. That's all I'm using. I'm using these two microphones and recording everything through them. Um, that includes the bass, which, you know, you don't normally, normally you need a, 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 a microphone with a more extended frequency range to, to really get the bass. And if you remember that, I don't know if you can see it behind me, but back there, there's the Sears amp that yeah, I, see you know, I bought for 20 bucks. Well, all the bass went through that, you know, I mean, and I mean, <laughs> and I didn't even use my nice bass. That, that's all packed up. I used my daughter's cheap bass, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is, you know, it's, it's fine, but it doesn't sound like mine at all. Uh, it doesn't play like mine at all. And so anyway, the sound I was getting out of that amp, <clears throat> I was like musical farts, man. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm going with it. We're doing this and I'm just going to have to massage it in post. <laughs> right. So anyway, that was the whole thing. Like, uh, you know, and, um, and I was expecting a really low quality, lo-fi sound, but let me get your impression of the record. When you heard the record, did you think the sound quality took a huge dive from my other records not at all i mean i don't really have probably a trained ear for it so much but i didn't immediately think oh wow this sounds different or less than i just thought it sounded like a simon record you know like <laughs> oh. i thought it sounds really good yeah you know? so 
now I have this huge existential crisis on my hands because I've invested so much money and so much really nice gear over the years. And here I go and I make a record with the cheapest of the cheap of my gear. And I agree with you that I think it sounds, it, it sounds maybe, similar, man. Yeah. Maybe if I'm sitting them side by side and I'm really analyzing and I'm really just, but you'd have to listen really hard in order to, you know, yeah. say, mm, I don't know, you know, and, and so now what do I do? <laughs> now, <laughs> oh, you just spent a lot of money. That's what you did. <laughs> and I just don't even know what to do with myself anymore. Yeah. Because I just like, really? I mean, I have spent so much money and, and I can't let my wife listen to this podcast, by the way, this episode. Janet, no. <laughs> to my wife, but I spent so much money trying to get you know gear that's like modeled after the original gear the Beatles used, gear that was you know used. You know, I, I mean, I just, I, I just, I, I, I'm not like extravagant, and I only buy gear when I have a real specific purpose. You know, I don't just like willy nilly buy something just because I'm in the mood to buy something, and and I'll. I'll sit on things for like six months or a year or whatever before I even make the jump and buy it. Cause I'll just, you know, keep thinking about it, you know, and oh, man, it's a lot of money and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, but you know, yeah. So I've spent what feels like years of my life trying to investigate and research and, and invest in, the, the best stuff that I can personally afford. And sometimes that I couldn't. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and now I'm just like, oh my gosh. I just, you know, I just made this record. <laughs> I mean, you know, like this mixer, I only use two of the channels. So, I mean, yeah. if you really break down the cost per channel of this mixer, the channels cost me about 30 bucks around a piece, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> so, yeah. so I've got a microphone that's a hundred bucks through a, a, a channel that's like 30 bucks and, and I'm making a record that sounds just as good as my it Sounds similar, Simon. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> just don't know what to do anymore. What a bummer. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so what can you do man i thought it sounded really good i i mean if you like you're telling to telling it to me now and like i'm thinking about listening to it i'm like i don't know i mean i guess i'd have to listen really really close to like pick it out but i don't know who picks out that hard unless they're a professional musician and they really want to like know that the listeners just wants to hear good music i think i mean that's the thing. That's the lesson that, you know, we have to keep learning when we're doing these creative things is that um, there are certain listeners that are interested in the behind the scenes and they want to know how you're doing stuff and things like that. And that's all really interesting. Everybody else just wants to hear a good song. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Is it, man. That's literally it. <laughs> and, and, and when you go back, because... You know, whenever, <clears throat> sorry, whenever we mix records, you know, I'll spend some time listening to other records that I love the sound of. 
And a lot of those records end up being older records, stuff that's recorded late 60s, early 70s, stuff like that. I just love the sound of those records. I'll kind of just get my ears tuned to those sounds before I start mixing. And I mean, when you're just talking about fidelity, those records sound like trash in comparison to today's fidelity. Oh, yeah. But they still sound better to me. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, so now, yeah. So that's just confirming my conundrum that. <laughs> yeah, may, maybe this record, maybe this record doesn't have the fidelity of some of my other records. Maybe. Maybe. That's a big maybe. But um, I, I don't care. My ears no. don't care when I'm listening to it. I mean, I'm listening to it and I think, you know, the opening track, mm -hmm. this is actually a good time to talk about this. So I arranged this album very specifically and, um, and it had, and it was Sonic specifics, Sonic mm -hmm. specific. The opening track, which is called all God sinners. Just have to take time to remember these things. Mm -hmm. I know Simon. <laughs> But it's probably the cleanest sounding recording on there. Like yeah. the guitars are clean and chimey and, you know, and the, the vocals sound clean and, you know, everything just sounds, has like a clean kind of polish to it in comparison to the rest of the record. That immediately goes into the dirtiest song of the record, which is uh, Kittens of War. My homage to the, the women's protests here in Portland. Love that song, by the way. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. I actually love that song too. Of all the songs on the album, I would probably listen to that one the most personally. You know, I just, <laughs> song. about it. You know, uh, it appeals to my senseless senses. Um, so the song after that is maybe is it the Reaper? That sounds right. Yeah, you're all right acoustic. there. All acoustic. Yeah. The song after that, all electric, um, which is actually called Rip City, that one. And that one I specifically recorded trying to make it sound like my main band that I've had here in Portland, which mm -hmm. was the Subterranean Howl. And I was like, I want to make a record that kind of pays homage to the, that band. And, and I want it to sound like as close as I can, just doing it by myself. Like it, it's a song that that band would have would have done. So. There's that one. It's all electric. The one after that, I, the aesthetic was just like junkin, drunken barroom jam, you know? Um, can't remember what that one's called. Oh, that one's called <laughs> Skidmore Fountain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we get to Shanghai Tunnels, which is just senselessly complex. And Sense amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever used so many effects on my vocals ever. Yeah. Um, and with different intentions, I'm using different uh, effects at, on my vocals at all these different times in the record. I'm, I'm sometimes I'm just wanting to obscure them. Sometimes I'm wanting to make them sound like, you know, they're, they're coming through a, a bad computer, you know, just all this other stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, but, but the, the whole composition of Shanghai Tunnels is senselessly complex. 
And then I knew I really wanted to end the album with a recording that is quote unquote naked. It's just me, an acoustic guitar, and then Danelle comes in and sings with me. But there's, there's literally no effects. There's no nothing. I, I even thought about adding a pretty little string section in that song. And I thought that would, that would enhance it. And then I started to kind of mock up a little composition for it. And I was like, this isn't enhancing anything because yeah. this song just needs to be this. And, um, and I just thought that was a great way to end the album and to kind of officially say goodbye. Like, this is just me. There's nothing in front. There's nothing obscuring me in any way whatsoever. It's just me and a microphone. This is what I sound like. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's not a good microphone either. So <laughs> it's not like a, a microphone like this one, which is an enhancing my voice in some yes. way. So it's, it's, uh, it's just a microphone that's <sighs> probably not enhancing my <laughs> <laughs> It is, but it isn't. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the album, it, you know, in a nutshell. And, um, you know, a after I finished it, uh, I had this huge sense of relief that it's done. I can officially take down the rest of this studio, pack mm -hmm. it all up. Um, I needed to keep my computer up for today. Mm -hmm. you know, but um, after this interview, I can, I can officially just take the whole mess down, you know, oh. and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a weird feeling. I've built a couple of studios over the years. Um, and I'm not looking forward to that process. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Building another new studio. But I'm also really excited because of what I said earlier, like, of using that mixer, you know, yeah. um, I have already started. Most of it's in my head. I've, I've jotted down a couple of ideas, but, um, and, and I won't know for sure until I actually get into the space that I'm building in, you know, um, but you know, the whole idea will be how do I utilize what I have to its optimum degree to a point where I hopefully never feel like I actually need anything else. Hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because I've got a lot of stuff already, you know, people who've come into the studio, you know, one of the first things anybody says is, wow, you got a lot of guitars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need another guitar. <laughs> I might want one, you know, but I yeah. need them. Um, I don't need another microphone. I might want it, but I don't need it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't need another mic preamp or compressor. I might want them, but I don't need them, you know? Um, so the idea will be, um, set everything up so that everything is as convenient to get to as possible as, as utilitarian as possible. And, and so that, um, cause with this record, because I didn't have an option, I didn't have, you know, everything's packed up. I didn't have any options. So I just go and I, and I, and I put the microphone where I need it to record my acoustic guitar or, or in front of the speaker for my, my guitar amp and hit record. That's it, man. You know? Yeah. And so my next studio, I just want to be able to set things up in a way where that is 
kind of the 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 mo where everything's set up where i just yeah. walk in i'm ready to move you know ready to roll yeah <laughs> would you who would have thought when we uh, when you told me about you're doing this 12 albums in 12 months, I was all juiced about it. And I'm thinking back to album one and talking to you, and now you're moving to Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> On like album number eight or something, you're like moving. <laughs> Seven or eight. <laughs> I know. And it's been, uh, you know, and that's another thing that it's shown me too that, you know, um, I took down most of the, even, even the treatment, you know, um, this black thing right here, back here. Mm -hmm. That's, that's part of like the, I had all this treatment of, uh, overhead and on the walls and all this stuff. And you know, it's all, it's all taken down. So the room sounds like crap. I did this entire, I, you can't see because, mm -hmm. uh, but on the other in front of me would have been my speakers, these awesome vintage speakers um, that, that model of speaker would have been used in like Cherokee studios where, you know, some of like Bowie's and, and the Stones records were mixed on and stuff like that. So that's how purposeful I am about buying things, you know? Um, but anyway, those, those are gone. They're packed up and everything. I did everything on these headphones that I'm wearing on my head right now. Wow. Every, all the mix, everything is done just like that. And once again, I'm just like, okay, that's not ideal. You know, that's not, that, that's not like a great way to do it, but you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it. Um, if anybody is aspiring, anybody hearing this is aspiring to maybe just like, you know, not, even if it's not, you know, a, a, a big aspiration, maybe you just have written a couple of songs you just want to record them. I I hope what people might get out of this or, or any other aspiration, you know, that you have, you, you don't need all that stuff to do it. But, you know, and, and I don't want to say all the stuff that I've collected over the years has gotten in my way because it hasn't, it's really, I think, enhanced my experience of, of making records and stuff like that. But when you strip it all away, like you said, I made a record that still sounds like me. It does. <laughs> it completely sounds like you. I was like, this is really good. And I didn't know what to expect because I knew you were leaving and I know you've, you know, you have time sensitive things and all that. And you never know what art comes out of that, you know? Yeah. And possibly, you know, it could have sounded really rushed and stupid. <laughs> there was a danger of that. <laughs> Um, but I think, uh, I'm obsessive enough to where I wouldn't have released that. Yeah. If it sounded like that. Um, and, you know, I actually, so, uh, you know, Danelle comes back and she sings with me on a few songs and she's, she's amazing as always. And, um, we had some good times actually recently just talking about, you know, why she comes from a completely different musical background than I do. She is, you know, a musician who thrives off the written page, you know, the music, you put the music in front of her, she interprets it, the written music. And, um, I'm, you know, written music for me gets in the way a lot of the time. I can, you know, I can read, you know, written music. I, I majored in composition and, and, you know, for, a, for like three and a half years in college, you know, so, 
I know how to compose. I know how to read music, but for me, that just gets in the way of the creativity. Sometimes it's like, Oh, I don't want to write it out. I don't want to do that. I just yeah. want to see what happens. Um, so anyway, we, we've talked about that and, and we're both kind of obsessive people. Um, so why has this worked over the years? And it just works because we just have a mutual appreciation for what the other one does. Um, and, and I don't look at her and say, Oh man, you can't do this because you know, it's, you know, I don't know. Cause you do. And, and she might, she never, I, I think looks at me and says, Oh, you can't do this. Cause you, you can't sight read as well as I can or whatever the case may be. You know, it's just take the strengths of the other person and appreciate it and love it and, and, and work with it. And so that, that's, those have been fun conversations we've had recently just about, <laughs> you know, why this, this whole relationship has worked for so many years. Yeah. Um, and the two other people who played on the album only, only played on one song. And that was, um, um, uh, the Skidmore fountain one. And one of them was a pedal steel player who's, who's played on a, a few of the, my albums um, in this, and, and that's uh, Brian Dast. And he's been an amazing friend to me for many, many years. And, um, and the other one is a new friend um, who goes by the moniker Johnny London. And I've never met the guy. Wow. But he, he heard my music. He... he learned about the project I'm doing and he lives in like Salt Lake, Utah. He's originally from London. He's British, I guess. Um, I don't know. I've never heard him talk. Maybe he's a phony. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <be>. <laughs> Sorry, man. He seems like a, the most wonderful guy and, and um, he's an amazing uh, guitar player. As, as you heard, he plays kind of like all the, the lead lead stuff on that, on that track. And um, I sent him that and it had no vocals. I hadn't even written lyrics for it yet. And it was like, just play stuff. I don't care. <laughs> just play stuff. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I sent him the album this morning, the, the finished album and said, well, I have, I'm not releasing this for a while yet, but, um, but here's, here's the album so you can hear what you did in context to the rest of everything else. And he was so kind and he was telling me that he, he's just, he was just loving it and he was hearing, you know, the, the velvet underground, the Bowie, the, you know, the Elvis Costello. He was, he was hearing all the stuff that, you know, I've spent <clears throat> the better part of 40 years ingesting. And um, while I'm not trying to sound like those people, they just, you know, they're the ghosts that haunt all the music that I write and, and record, I'm sure. And uh so anyway, that was just really nice to hear back from that and, and to hear somebody who's just listening to it and, uh, and, and is able to make a list <laughs> of yeah. most of my great influences. I was telling him, you know, add Roy Orbison and the Drifters and Otis Redding to that list. And, and you've, you know, he basically made a list of, I think, most of my major influences and, and, um, uh, and, and you know, I, I have no idea if the average listener is going to hear any of that you know, when they listen to this record, but, um, uh, uh, like I say, hopefully they hear, even if they don't recognize it, cause they're just ghosts. They're just phantasms who are, you know, haunting the, the, the chords, but hopefully they at least 
feel that if they don't, if they can't name it. Yeah. I just, I'm always amazed at anything you throw my way. I mean, I, seriously, every album, I'm like, this is really good. Like, I've listened to a lot of bad music in my time. I'm sure a lot of people have. And oh, yeah. it's never bad, honestly. That sounds like a terrible compliment, but it's never bad. No, that, that's obviously <laughs> the highest praise you can actually give somebody. It's never bad. It's never bad. I I really appreciate that. I know. I mean, I'm being I'm not being facetious at all when I say I really appreciate that because you know I've told you before one of my big rules is no filler. Mm, yeah. So if there was a song that you know just felt like it was filling space and it didn't have a real purpose, an aesthetic purpose, I I would throw it out immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't stand filler in albums. Although a lot of albums, there's a lot of that. I've noticed, you know. Well, yeah, you know, the idea is that each album, you you know, somebody somebody hopes that they're going to have any, anywhere between one and three big hits on an album, you know, like radio plays on an album. And then the rest, you don't expect to do anything, you know, on the, on the charts or anything like that. So from a label standpoint, you don't really care about the rest of it. You care that you've got, okay, is there at least a song that's gonna, that's gonna, you know, chart. It's gonna do well, and that'll make people buy the album. And we don't care if the rest of the album's any good. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter from a sales perspective because people will buy it based on the single. Yeah, Ugh, terrible. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> no. So, so yeah, there's a lot of bands you know, an artist and, and I'm, I don't want to pick on anybody and I don't want to put myself higher than anybody else or anything like that. But I just want to say that, you know, they, they didn't have a lot of good ideas. Yeah. They just didn't. They had a few, um, you know, and uh, there's some artists out there that, you know, they might've only had one, <laughs> at least That's only true, one that true. made it to record, you know, maybe they had other good ideas that were rejected in the process because right. people didn't recognize that they were, how good they were. But, um, you know, a lot of my favorite songwriters, I don't know why Don McLean just came to mind. Hmm. Don McLean of American Pie fame. Yeah. Um, he wrote like three good songs, <laughs> as far as I can tell. Right. You know, I, I, I've gone through his catalog a bit, you know, searching for other good songs. <laughs> You're like, not there. <laughs> you know? But the songs he wrote were so dang good. I mean, the good ones. Yeah. American Pie, Starry Starry Night, you know, Vincent. Um, uh, what's, what's the one I'm thinking of? It's I'm going to blank on the title of it. But Lonely Life Can Be, Shadows Follow Me. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. Elvis did a cover of it too. It's, just, it's a beautiful song. Anyway, but I can name those three songs as like, those are amazing songs. And Don McLean should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for any one of those. Yeah. But I haven't heard anything else that was, <laughs> that even came close. That even, <laughs> that even, you know, made it into the same category as right. three. Um, so, you know, maybe I'll never write an American Pie. Mm-hmm. Or a starry, starry night, something that is that classic. But I hope I'm more consistent. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what a, that's what I'm into is consistency. Like, I just don't like bad albums. Like, or it's just one or two good songs. And that's what you know. Listen, when I when I'm like, oh, we're gonna do this podcast detailing this every month. You know, in my mind, I'm like, well, this is a lot of music over twelve yeah. albums. Man, one of these could not be might not be good. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking one of these might not be good. And then I'm like, every time I listen, I'm like, no, I've liked it all. There's nothing that's been bad to me. That's hard to do. Man, I really appreciate that. Seriously. Even the one you hated, the album you hated or whatever. You do. <laughs> <laughs> Hate's a strong word. You didn't really like it a lot. I mean, you know? I recognize that. I, I think we're talking about the last one, right? The, yes. The, the kind of EDM one. Yeah. You were not like, like I didn't really like this. Yeah. I mean... I, it didn't speak to me, you know, <laughs> well, that makes it even better. You didn't speak to you yet. It still was good. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, I, I, I mean, I wanted to make it good. I, I really did. I was desperate to make it good. Yeah. And I wanted it to, to not just be a, a, a copy of some other EDM artists. Yeah. I wanted it to, to uh, have the integrity of my own kind of, orchestral musings and stuff like that too. But it. you made it very clear when we got on that this is not a genre you're into. No, yeah. <laughs> it's very true. It's not a genre I'm into. It's not. Um... But yeah, you know, I actually put that on in the living room. I think I, I might mention that in the last, but, but I don't think I mentioned this part of it. The kids were kind of hearing it. And um, the last track on it, which is called uh, 2020 Hindsight, it starts playing. And, and, and one of my kids, Adriana, she, she asks something about it. And I can't remember what. Maybe she just asked what it was called. And I said, it's called 2020 Hindsight. And I told her, it's kind of my goodbye to, to 2020, hoping that that chapter in our lives is just kind of closed. And I talked about this. I do remember I talked about this, yeah. the sacredness of that. Yes. And, um, but what I, I don't think I feel, I think I did fail to mention, fail to mention our last conversation that my, my daughter's response to that was, oh, is that why I feel like crying? Oh. So she was having a real emotional response to that music. Music that I <laughs> you're not that into it. <laughs> I'm not that into. Um, but I was kind of taken aback by that. And I was, you know, I think that's the power of just music in general. Um, and, and it's also like the power of certain chord structures. And and if you just play these certain chord structures in an emotive way that you can really manipulate people. And this yeah. is the secret of every film composer, right? Just to manipulate people on an emotional scale by using certain chords in a certain way at a certain time. Um, so anyway, I, I just thought that was a really interesting uh, thing that that was happening even without any film in front of any pictures or anything like that. Just on a sonic level, she was being manipulated that's the only thing way i can put it because um that song that that piece didn't have all my heart and soul in it. she wasn't getting that from my heart and soul being in that piece yeah. she was just getting it from the right chords played in the right way 
Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know what makes me feel that way? It's like when, um, like anthemic, like anthem songs, not, not like, not like, you know, like America anthem, but just like, like rock songs that sound like anthem rock. Yeah. Like really sweeping big sounds. Yeah. I don't know. It always does something to me. And in my mind, I was like, I wonder if Simon's going to make like this big rock anthemic album, (laughs) like this big sweeping big thing. Like I am a sucker for that type of stuff. Yeah. I, I think I must be as well. Um, there's certain bands that I'm not like huge fans of the bands or whatever, but they've made you know a couple of songs that do that. Yeah. The first thing that came to mind were the, was the Killers. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a huge Killers fan. Neither am I. But they've made and there's one song in particular which I don't know if it was ever like a big hit or anything. I don't know what what, what other songs have been biggest, but but they have a song called Indie Rock and Roll. Um, and, and it's super cornball. It's indie rock and roll for me, you know, just big mm-hmm. anthem chorus, you know, but I love it. Yeah. I love it. You know, it's so great. And it does something to me the same way. I, I think you're talking about They're, they had yeah, that yeah. other one that I can't remember anymore what it's called, but it's that, uh, I got soul, but I'm not a soldier one. I don't know. What is that called? <laughs> anyway, they have this big choir come in. Yeah, I love stuff like, a like that. Big old Baptist choir coming in, you know, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, and you know, right when that happens, you know, you've got to do something really bad to 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 you know. <laughs> I mean, the song has to suck so bad to Seriously. When, yeah, you know, when you include the Baptist choir, you know, anybody can make that work. And if, <laughs> you know, I mean, Madonna made it work for me. Right. Remember that. It's like a prayer. <laughs> you know, it's like a dream to be. <laughs> so, so as long as your song is even halfway decent, you throw yeah. in the the Baptist choir, and you got me. Yeah, <laughs> there's something emotional about it. Just big sweeping songs. I'm like, oh man, because you know, for, for everybody listening, I don't know what Simon's doing, like ever. I have no clue what's coming I was surprise. ever. So it's when he sends it to me, it. I'm like, press play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and normally I only give you about 24 hours. You know, maybe yeah. sometimes in that, you know, sometimes yeah. more like 12 hours before podcast time. Yeah. I'm like, well, going to yeah. listen to this late at night and just see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's a great way to do it actually, because it, it, it it makes our conversations where you haven't had time to really process. Right. You know, so instead of like processing it all and giving it multiple listens and all that kind of stuff, instead you're just given the raw, you know, reaction to first look first, first yeah. here, you know, yeah, exactly. it's like, Oh, this is what interests me. This is what I really like type of thing, you know? And yeah. I just actually like that. It's very, uh, they never know what you're going to get. You know, life's like a box of chocolates. Here comes my Forrest Gump. You never know what you're going to get. Greenbow, Alabama. <laughs> I had to throw that in. My wife said, make sure you throw something in about Alabama when you talk. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Bama. I, um, I, I, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm kind of an idiot where I, I really take on the dialect of wherever I'm at. Oh, so when I lived in Brazil for a couple of years, you know, despite, you know, how I look, <laughs> I, people thought I was Brazilian after about a year. Oh, 
because I really got the language down and I, and, and I absorb accents mm. and they just come out of me. Um, wow. And if I, if I just hear somebody talk for any amount of time, not only will I be able to do a passable imitation of them, but I might slip into talking like them on accident. <laughs> and so that, that's going to be a big <laughs> danger of moving. Southern Simon. <laughs> yeah, that I do into Southern Simon. <laughs> going to sound like Andy, Sheriff of Mayberry over here. <laughs> Like Southern, I mean, is this so basically what you're telling me? I'm getting Portland Simon right now. Yeah, you're getting Portland, you're getting Pacific Northwest Simon. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think I've always, you know, taught like this yeah. growing up in Alaska and stuff like this. You know, I think this is how I've always spoken. But um, when I came back from Brazil and I was just speaking English again. Yeah. Somebody told me, man, you sound like you're in a Cheech and Chong movie, man. Just talk English. You know? I'm from East LA, man. <laughs> it's like, that's the wrong accent, even. I'm a, it's a Portuguese <laughs> accent. What are you talking about? So, yeah, you know, it, it'll be, it'll be oh, interesting. Boy. Southern uh, Simon's coming. I'm detailed. Uh, Southern Simon. We're going to get her done. Get her done. We're the music's going to sound all different completely. <laughs> home alabama yep like alabama going to the grammys in the 1980s it'll be just like the next time you see me in a video like the zoom video i'm gonna have like you know my general lee t-shirt on you know it's gonna, <laughs> it's it's gonna, gonna be a monstrous beard it's gonna, yeah, be, yeah, yeah. You know? gonna be the confederate flag behind me yeah. you know america america <laughs> Marion, i just bought a four-wheeler oh. <laughs> I'm going to describe you as one of the good ones. <laughs> yeah, he's black, but he's one of the good ones. He's one of the good ones. You know, let's go frog gigging now. Look at what's going <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. I'm actually very excited to, to hear what the inspiration of being in this new place is going to produce musically for you. So I'm a, you know, the danger, the other danger of that will be that I will just you know, only want to do like the muscle shoal sound now. I mean, I'm just going to try to, you know, imitate it. And um, I'm excited, you know, post pandemic, as things open up to, to actually, you know, meet new people down there and, yeah. and specifically mu musicians and see what occurs with collaborating with a whole new pond, you know, yeah. Um. You know, there's thousands of musicians in Portland I've never even met before, and I'm sure I could collaborate with any one of them. But, you you know, regions tend to have sounds. Yes. You know, and and we're still a very regional nation, no matter how, you know, we, we, even though we're hearing it from everywhere, but different regions of the country still produce their unique brand of, of art and music and things like that. So I've been working with that for almost 20 years here. And now I'm really interested to see what happens in a collaboration where with people who, you know, if they think of Portland, they just think of, you know, yeah. the riots and stuff. Right. Right. So, um, 
So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm excited. You know, it, it's just like this podcast, you know, just talking with you and everything, every, you know, every, uh, uh, collaboration just bears such unexpected fruits. Yes. You know, yes. You know, it's funny. I had this guy I was talking to the other day and he was like, Oh, he checked out my podcast. He's like, oh, I want to like make it even bigger or this and that. And he's like, well, you know, I so said, I'm not really necessarily trying to do that. I just want to make art with people. Yeah. I want to, I, I say, well, what's the best thing that's come out of this? I was like, friendship. I've made a lot of new friends. Right. And like with you, like, I, I feel like we've been doing this forever. Seriously, man. Like, yeah. this is like, I'm like, man, you would uh, think 12 albums. But, but Darian just rolled his eyes when he said that. Yeah, I, I was like, like, oh God, it's just dragging on. <laughs> And I'm, I'm, I'm like what Shannon said, this is only album six. Yeah. <laughs> and then I took a month off to drag on the, pro, the process. Even <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, man, this is like a two year project. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So here's the other, you know, we talked about taking March off, but what I've yeah. proved here to, with this album is that I don't need to build a new studio. Yeah. To make a next album. So I don't know if I need to take March off or not. Um, it's going to be busy to, uh, to, to, you know, to move in there and, and get yeah. everything situated and stuff like that. But man, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe I just need to challenge myself, but anyway, we'll, yeah. we can talk about that off, off. Yeah. No. Off, off and everything. But, um, but it's, uh, you know, somebody challenged me, a good friend of mine and former bandmate. He was just like, why don't you just make an album on your phone? Ooh. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Wow. I mean, are you I, I, up for that? Or is that like, I mean. So uh, the, 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 the great challenge of that would be, could I make something that is so cool lo-fi, you know, like, because if I did that, I would only want to use the built-in microphone of the, of the phone. I wouldn't want to multi-track. I just want to do one track, one take of each mm -hmm. song. The brilliance of that is um, sometimes when I create a demo on my phone, I like it better than the finished product. Really? You know, when I go back and record the actual thing on the nice microphones and everything like that, sometimes I go back to the demo. I'm like, you know, I kind of like that better, <laughs> you know? So it sounds like, a really, really interesting challenge. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm strongly considering it. I, I got to remember how many albums I have left. What do I have? <laughs> <laughs> do I need to make three, four, three? I think three or four more, I think. I think it's like four more. So one of them, one of them could very well just be the iPhone album. <laughs> <laughs> Can you call it that? The iPhone album? <laughs> Marshall Shoals iPhone album. <laughs> what if like, I get Apple to sponsor it? No, no, no. I mean, that would be crazy, actually. <laughs> I don't think I would guess you would want to do that just from our conversations. But I mean, I guess I should rethink that because just doing this project is very creative. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm up for just trying just about anything. You know, I mean, there, there's... There, there's literally probably no boundaries to what I would be willing to try. Um, the, the, the question would be, 
would I come up with a concept strong enough to support mm -hmm. the idea, you know, and that's always, you know, I've, I've thrown away a million concepts over the years because I had yet to produce, you know, material that supported the concept, supported the concept well enough. Right. I mean, when I first started forming bands and stuff, I mean, I had all kinds of aspirations to do like big, you know, basically like musical theater almost type mm -hmm. stuff, you know. And I start writing the material and I, and I don't have the material that's strong enough to support it. You know, I mean, to, to my, to my mind, you know, it's like, you know, and, and just to what we were just saying, I don't want any filler, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, I've had a lot of great ideas that, um, that never came to fruition because I wasn't, yeah, yeah talented or inspired enough or whatever the, you know, however you want to say it. What I was thinking space opera, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I love that stuff. It's really funny. Uh, you say that, but that was like one of my original concepts and I had about four songs really for it. In fact, one of them, one of the songs showed up in uh, a band that I did a, a few years back called fat mannequins. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry i originally wanted to call that band the smurfettes i had a reaction to that sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my original inclination of forming that band was that it was going to be um not, not throw away music but but just like i don't know just kind of like trash punk glam stuff it went in a totally different direction than that. But there was a specific singer that she and I had collaborated on a couple of things over the years. And I maybe produced some stuff for her and, and, and even did like live sound for her over the years. And, and finally we were kind of having a conversation. It's like, you know, we've never actually done just like a legit project together. Yeah. We should just, we should just do a band, you know, and the band ended up just being she and I and a drummer for that album. And then when we went to do live shows, we, recruited some other musicians to play with us. But, um, but anyway, I'm actually super proud of that record. I'll have to send it to you. Fat mannequins. Um, yeah. uh, but the, the track one on there was originally written for like a space opera. <laughs> I'm all about it, man. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, quasi planet of the apes it wasn't going to have any apes in oh, it but it was, wow it was, somebody, it was somebody who goes away and they come back they, they go away to outer space basically to explore and 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 but it's not really about them it's about their absence mm. and about the mythology of their absence dude and, and <laughs> what it's actually about is is a stranger comes to this town to where this guy who went off to space is from and he's learning the mythos of, and he's hearing all the stories that all these people are telling about this guy who left. And it was in my mind, it was kind of like, it was just talking. It, it would have been a musical, I guess, um, contemplating our own real mythos, you know, um, like our American mythos, our world mythologies and all that kind of stuff. The things that we 
think are true, but if you come from an outsider perspective, they're obviously false. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. Like, like when you hear about another religious belief or something like that, mm-hmm. you're like, well, that's obviously wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you study ancient Greek mythology, something like that. You're just like, yeah. well, obviously, you know, Zeus and those people don't exist <laughs> and there's no Mount Olympus and stuff like that. So when you come from the outside of, of, of somebody else's mythology, you're able to just see right through it. Be like, well, all of this is completely fabricated. Um, and, and the climax would be the return of, of the guy and, um, and learning what the reality of the whole thing actually was. And I don't want to spoil it for you, <laughs> but it's got a big, it's got a big twist. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, it had a great idea, right? Like that's a, that's, that's a solid idea. That's a solid idea. Um, I, I, and I, and I had about three, probably three out of the four songs that I had written for it, um, like, like fully written for it, were okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just okay. And the one that made on that Fat Mannequins album, um, I actually changed some of the lyrics a little bit because, you know, out, outside of the context of that story, some of those lyrics just, you know, they didn't work. <laughs> so, yeah. but the song is called Dear Sweet Tom. And mm. <laughs> you know, I'll have to send it to you just so you can hear it. Yeah, uh, I love that stuff, man. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, but, but, you know, I, it, 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 the whole thing just kind of fell apart because uh, after about three or four songs, I, I kept, I, I didn't, I wasn't coming up with anything else that supported, that justified moving forward with it. Interesting. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's the story of my life. I mean, you know? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I just couldn't justify moving forward. That's my life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. I love that space opera. It may be one of my favorite things to listen to, weirdly enough. Just yeah. the journey, the bigness of it, the travel. The sp- I don't know. It's like crazy. Like, yeah. I'm really into that idea. And I think a lot of my aesthetic that I, you know, come up with um, really works for that. You know, yeah, like Erebus, that kind of had something to me. It gave me a feeling. Yeah. Like that on some level. Yeah. And I think even Shanghai Tunnels is yes. kind of there in there, you know, it just yeah. weird and quirky and it, and it, it, it um, and it's got, it's got a cinematic thing to it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe someday, you know. <laughs> Maybe just pick up where the movie Flash left off and, uh, you know, <laughs> pop some of that type of stuff. Boom, 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 Flash. Boom, 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 boom. I'm telling you, dude, that was a huge influence on me. Me too. <laughs> Even before, I don't know why, that movie came up just the other day in conversation. That's really funny because... Weird, right? I was telling somebody that, you know, when I was a kid, I, I didn't, I didn't understand what bad acting was. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, a, there's a lot of it in that. Movie. Yeah, it's, it's bad. I mean, it's some of the worst act. It's and how bad. do you cast those people as leads? <laughs> like, how did they get past the screen test? You know? I don't know, man. Like Flash the- himself, like he's like a football guy. He's just running around and stuff. Yeah. And, so he and the, the other lead, she, her character's name is Dale. Um, yeah. They're two of the worst 
at least they're doing two of the worst acting jobs. <laughs> but they're acting alongside legit Shakespearean actors mm-hmm. who are hamming it up for this goofy movie. But you have two people that you, you're wondering if they've ever acted before. <laughs> acting alongside <laughs> some of the most legit Shakespearean actors in, in modern history. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) What is happening? (laughs) So, but it makes for one of the most fun movies ever. And the soundtrack is just so good. So amazing. I mean, I remember hearing that and I was like so blown away by it in the movie. I was like, this is like one of the better soundtracks of a movie. Exactly. I mean, it just, uh, I, 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 if I were queen, that would be probably the thing I'd be most proud of. Wow. You know, and, and that might sound silly because queen has done so many amazing things, but if I were in the band queen, I would be looking back at my, if I were like Brian May or whatever, I'd be looking back on my career and be like, you know what? Flash Gordon, man. Was big. I mean, that was even better than Highlander. (laughs) Duncan (laughs) McLeod. There can only be one, Simon. Who wants to live forever? (laughs) You know, (laughs) some great stuff, man. Everybody lasted like Foreigner. They made some great, amazing music in in Uh, movies, man. They they did, and 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 I. I keep hoping that we're going to get something like that. And I think the place for that is like Marvel movie, you know, right. Like in a Thor movie. And they did a pretty good job with, I think in the last Thor Ragnarok, they went total eighties synth kind of a thing, but then they threw in finally. And I was wondering where the heck had Led Zeppelin been all this time. Right. Because it seems like the most obvious choice for a, a Thor. A Thor movie, and finally somebody had you know, and and maybe it was just too obvious, and nobody wanted to go there, you know. Yeah. But finally, you get like you know, Kaiko Waititi. How do you say his name? Yeah, but it, I know what you're talking about. Amazing director, and finally he just has like I don't know, I maybe maybe he's just low class enough. <laughs> maybe judge that. Maybe he just. Uh, that he's just like, or, or, or he just has a, enough of a sense of humor to say, we're going to make this work and it's going to be awesome. So, I mean, I guess they're making another Thor movie. So, yeah. Um, I mean, something like the Queen Flash Gordon soundtrack would be amazing. Oh, I'm, would- I'm dying for that. <laughs> I'm dying for that. I don't know what band today could pull that off. Yeah, that's the problem. Who does that type of stuff anymore? You know, like current band. I mean, yeah, it would it would be it would be tough. the The band that I would want to take that on would be like Radiohead. Oh, oh my gosh, that would be incredible. But like, Tom York doing the yeah. oh man. I mean, but they might be kind of like past that in their career. Yeah. You're probably I mean. right. Yeah, you're probably right. They might be just, but I don't know. I they 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 submitted a song for one of those James Bond movies, mm. which, in my opinion, was 
a better song. It might not have been James Bondy enough. Like, mm. you know, I think it was for the Spectre one. Yeah, but we need another like Flash Queen like type of album. I'm telling yeah. you, man, I'm dying for something like that. Yeah, where somebody just has the, and to me, you just have to have the sense of humor to do it. Yeah. Because you have to be able to just embrace yeah, you have to be able, it has to be this great mix of a sense, a, a good enough sense of humor, but at the same time, take it seriously. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You be like, we, we have the great sense of humor to do this, but we're going to make it the best freaking thing we've ever done. Yeah. And I feel like Queen took that on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where you know, you, you like Queen couldn't have watched that movie and thought... <laughs> Oh yeah, we're gonna win the Oscar for this one. <laughs> you know, so they must have had a great sense of humor to just say, "We get it. It's tongue in cheek. It's all that yeah. stuff." And yet, we're gonna give you the best freaking music <laughs> we can possibly produce. Yes, yes. I feel like the new movie, you know, the updated version of Dune when it comes out, there should be some elements of that at least in that movie. You know, but it seems like movies today are going to take themselves too seriously. Yeah. Uh, and the ones that don't, you know, it's just, I, I have this hard problem with things because it's like, I feel like most of these movies take themselves too seriously. And when they don't take themselves seriously, they like really don't take themselves. Seriously. Yeah. They're just like, did you even care? Right. <laughs> we quoted coming to America earlier. Yes. There are a few goofier movies than that movie. Great. But the effort of production in that movie and the, the uh, attention to detail in that movie and, and how you, even the characters who don't get a lot of screen time, mm -hmm. you feel like their character is pretty fleshed out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, can you think of comedies today that really do a good, that good of a job with, wow. with, with that kind of a thing where you know, one of your favorite characters is like the butler. <laughs> <laughs> the queen to be. <laughs> oh man, his song when she's <laughs> down the aisle. <laughs> Great. So amazing. And so I just feel like so much effort went into every part of that and it's a corny, cheesy movie. Of you course. know, it's basically, you know, the, the, the old fairy tale, you know, it's a Disney movie wrapped up in a rated R Eddie Murphy yeah. you know, coat jacket. Um, but yeah, it just feels like everybody in that movie, they, they, even if they have two lines, you know exactly who they are. You know yeah. where they've come from. You know what they're about. And, and, and they just feel... <laughs> like fleshed out characters it's true man you're I mean, sitting there i mean everybody give it up for chicago's own randy watson that boy good good and terrible <laughs> i believe the children <laughs> oh man let them lead the way <laughs> everything about every single one of those characters and yeah. And it makes me wonder if they just had characters they wanted to do and they're just going to like, how do yeah. we fit them into this movie? Or if they're just making the movie and they're just like, okay, what? because, you know, some of the scenes, yeah, they, they just don't, 
in somebody else's movie, they wouldn't even make sense. No. It wouldn't make sense that the, 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 the barbershop is such a central part of the movie. Yeah. Then you're at <laughs> Black Appreciation Week. <laughs> when I see the <laughs> distance up here, I know there is a God. <laughs> I want Daniel <laughs> into the lion's den. <laughs> Give, it, give us a spin. Show give us, us a spin. Mm, it looks so good. I want to stop you up with a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> the soul glow. I mean, all this stuff. Let your soul. That's actually a really good song. It actually, seriously, Simon. <laughs> I mean, I know it's super goofy, but they wrote a good song. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was on accident. I don't know. It's like... <laughs> but. But yeah, so I mean that—that's what. But I mean, you know, that's what makes a classic. And and yeah. you know, just so so for for me, you know, getting back to the point, that's a movie that took being ridiculous super serious. Yes. Like we are seriously invested in making this goofy movie, and yeah. and, and and from the dance choreography to the costumes to the set pieces to every single character who makes an appearance on screen. Yep. We are invested in every single thing to make it its absolute best. And you just don't see that kind of quality, I, I think, you know, very often. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> totally agree. We'll see how the next one comes. I mean, this is big. March is uh, coming to America too, right? So right. Uh... That's right. You know, I, I was actually thinking about that movie because, you know, um, you know, we're making this move to a place we've never been mm-hmm. and we're so excited about it. And it, it reminded me of coming to America, of these two guys <laughs> who are going to America, a place they've never been, they don't know anything about. That, you know, they, they base, you know, it's like, where should we go? Let's flip a coin. I mean, my wife and I almost did that. You know, I mean, wow. I mean, you know, for all in, intents and purposes, it, it was a coin flip, you know, um, and then, oh, well, what part of New York should we go? And they just see the word Queens. Queens. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> of course we need to go to Queens. <laughs> and so, I mean, I just relate to these guys' stories yeah, so much. Yeah. And I'm so excited to go to a place where um, I'm, I'm, you know, culturally, I, I don't, you know, mm-hmm. we've been prepped a little bit by our realtor, Brittany. You know, she told us, well, the important thing is that you pick a team. And by that, <laughs> I mean college football. Of course, you know, and that, you know, you're either this one or you're that one. I can't even remember which one they are. I mean, I, I don't know anything <laughs> about college football these days. You know? Either for Alabama or Auburn, you're going to pick yeah, one or two. You know, that, that, that's yeah, that's, that's what I'm hearing. So I was just like, well, well, Shannon and I, you know, we don't know, but and Shannon's like, I'm not picking anything. I was like, honey, no matter, you know, whatever like football party we end up going to, I'm just picking the other team. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's going to be the fun Roll of it. Ride. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whoever they're rooting for, I'm rooting for the other one. <laughs> oh, boy. I've had some good experiences with that and bad experiences. When I was in Brazil, uh, it was uh, the, the World Cup, and it was uh, uh, Brazil versus France. And, of course, I wanted Brazil to win. Of yeah. course, I wanted to win. But I kept joking with everybody that I was rooting for France. Well, France wins. I literally had people come up to me in the street and punch me. (laughs) You're rooting for France. And they were in tears when they did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it meant everything to them. 
it meant nothing to me. You know, I, I, I wanted Brazil to win just because I was in Brazil and I love these people. Sure. But, you know, it, it, it literally meant nothing to me. And, and so anyway, that's how it will be in Alabama with the football. And I'm just going to root for whoever they're not rooting for and just get beat up afterwards. Isn't that funny? They're like, pick a team. They're like, pick a side. You can't come here and be neutral. Yeah. <laughs> What's She's that? Tell us that scene. <laughs> yeah. I was like, um, well, I've been a Laker fan since like 1985. <laughs> I mean, and that's, you know, I mean, but I still didn't care if they won the championship. Yeah. You're last like, well, year. Okay. Yeah. I would have been equally happy with Miami winning. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I just like sports and I enjoy a good contest. Yeah. Um, whoever comes out on top, you know, really makes no difference to me. Yeah. I'm not betting any money on anything. Right. I mean, how's it affecting your life? So yeah. devastatingly, if somebody loses or wins. I mean. Not at all. I'm completely outside of that kind of tribalism. Yeah. You've transcended life. (laughs) (laughs) You're coming in there as this cosmopolitan Simon, and you're going to become Southern Simon very soon. You'll be assimilated like the Borg very soon. Next time you see me, I'm going to have my face painted with the colors. I'm just going to be like. Exactly. (laughs) You'll be wearing like roll tide outfits and stuff. Yeah. gear and stuff you'll just be i won't even know who you are anymore i just like eh, well that was fun i'm loving your hair by the way it's oh thank you bleach. it's bleach i this is how i've always looked since you've known me actually what? so you just haven't seen i've always seen old pictures of you then because uh, oh yeah i the the the, the bleach it's you know what's funny is for 20 years i had a bald head completely bald head and yeah. it's not like i was like receding hairline or anything it's just like i didn't want to deal with it yeah and then i as i got older i was like wait a minute i have hair i should do something about this <laughs> and then it just came to me i was like and i'm gonna have a i'm gonna get a box and i'm gonna have a bleach blonde and that's my signature look no nah, it's just the whole thing you know go for the the the, the simon Oh man, what's the last? No, thing? don't say it. <laughs> no, demolition man. Demolition man. That's a, that I'm was... not Wesley Snipes. Yeah, <laughs> for it. What's your model? <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines from from almost any movie. I think. Uh, what's your boggle? What's your boggle? <laughs> I love Wesley Snipes in the movie. I thought it was pretty funny. Actually, Simon Phoenix. That's what it is. Simon Phoenix and Sylvester I Stallone. I put these guys away. You brought them back out. And like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, there's certain movies I, I want to show my children, but I, I I have enough good sense not to show it to them yet. Because <laughs> yet you know, but someday I'm gonna be like, you guys need to watch Demolition Man. And when I, I say him. need, you, <laughs> you need to just to understand me. <laughs> to understand <You> know? me. <laughs> to understand me, you have to understand this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and if you can't get through this, you'll never get to me. You'll never understand Simon if you yeah. don't watch. <laughs> when they thaw out some guy in cryogenic sleep <laughs> and they call him a Neanderthal and stuff. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and, and 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 when one of the characters suddenly knows how to fight really well when yeah. nobody does and she just says well i watch jackie chan movies yeah yeah and taco bell is like a big thing but it's not really taco bell it's like i don't know <laughs> oh man so strange simon it's always a pleasure speaking with you Thank man you. good luck on your move man have enjoy it man Thank you. Thank you. I hope you'll really consider uh, coming down there, man. Of course. Um, one of the reasons we're going down there is because we can, we can buy this obnoxiously big house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Parker's, Parker's probably coming through. Parker's are coming through. Yeah. And, and so you need to come down and, and, and just hang with us and, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. I'll, <laughs> I mean, don't make any plans yet because I haven't been there yet. But, you know, I'll let you know, you know, once, once we've been there a couple of months, I'll be like, okay, I think it's safe. It's safe. <laughs> Is it safe for me? No, just, <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> okay, that was a bad way to end this, but it was kind of, <laughs> look outside and go, Is the coast clear? Yeah. <laughs> it is Alabama, you know. <laughs> just saying <laughs> but it's the northern part i think okay but you know we're really close to like memphis and nashville yeah. and all that stuff so you know it you know e e even if florence turns out to be a real bummer we can go somewhere else and have <laughs> <It's true. laughs> I, I will definitely i want to come visit and i told michelle my wife i said i think we need to go to alabama to visit these guys because honestly why the hell will we go there anyways generally speaking so yeah. this just gives us an excuse because it's one of the only states i've never been to i've been to almost every other state i've never had a reason to go to alabama if you're from yeah. alabama i'm not trashing your state i'm just saying it's not like everybody's trying to go there for vacation. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not considered one of the hot spots. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. It's probably beautiful, but yes, now I have a reason. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's you know some of the things where it's just like like South Dakota is gorgeous. Yeah. You know, yeah. but who thinks of going to South Dakota? I know. It's like I don't know. It's like who's clamoring to go to Cleveland all the time? And yeah. I was like, I don't know. It's probably great, but you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I I hear you, man. I hear you, but you know, we've been researching Alabama, and um, we're really excited about it. Actually, I mean, um, we're really excited about the town we're moving to, and then we're really excited to take trips down to the lower coast. Yeah. Yeah. Where certain parts of the year, I guess the crabbing and everything is just yeah off the charts. You know, oh, I looked up your town. Don't worry. When you told me on text, yeah. I went right on Google Earth and everything. I was like, yeah. I gotta see where this guy's moving. Man. <laughs> I don't know anything about this. <laughs> like, watch, watch the documentary. I think it's on um, Prime. Okay. Watch Muscle Shoals, man, and, and let me know when you do. Let me because it's cool, man. Okay. I mean, um, I knew, you know, like I say, a lot of the music history of that area or some of it, but watching that documentary helped me realize that how, how rich that area really is yeah. uh, for our music history. And, and so, yeah, check it out and, and, and get back to me. 
Most definitely. Well, Simon, again, it's, it's a pleasure. And uh, I just, I enjoy building this friendship with you. I yeah. really do. I'm a big feelings guy, man. I like to tell people stuff. So I, <laughs> I enjoy our friendship. It's one of the best things that's happened to me in doing this podcast is your friendship. Oh, man. I really appreciate that. I really, yeah. really do. Because, unexpected. Very unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes opposites attract. <laughs> you know, we should, somebody should hire us to play in a cop movie. Yeah. Me and Simon. We'll be like, we'll be like, you know, 48 hours, you know, like Beverly Hills cop, you know, like we would be great. I'm telling you. That would be great. That would be great. You, oh, you know, as we sign off here, I, I wanted to leave you with this because we had talked about doing something after our, uh, yep. um, this, things that done. Um, and I, and I thought of a name for what the, the kind of the segment could be called, I yeah. guess. And it, it just, just, just let this roll around in your, in your brain and you tell me if you like it or not, but it could be called arbiters of bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely rolling around in the brain. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> arbiters of bad taste. I, I just think it really sums us up well. Yeah, I think so. There's a there's some people call it bad taste. We call it greatness. <laughs> we call it transcendence. Exactly. I mean, come on, Flash. I mean, I guess it's bad taste, but you know, I mean, like it's a good bad taste. It's a good. There's a good bad taste. That sounds opposite, but you know, like. <laughs> Simon, thank you, man. Listen, safe travels, man. Thank you. Talk to you soon.
for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone!